Welcome to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. My name is Martin Reed. I believe that nobody needs to live with chronic insomnia and that cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBTI techniques, can help you enjoy better sleep for the rest of your life. Sarah lived with insomnia for a year and resorted to sleeping pills because she didn't know how to improve her sleep. Luckily, Sarah did discover cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, and after just eight weeks of implementing CBTI techniques, she went from averaging four hours of sleep each night to six hours of sleep each night. One year later, Sarah now averages seven hours of sleep and no longer takes sleeping pills. In this episode, we'll learn more about how Sarah got her sleep back on track and how she regained confidence in her ability to sleep. A full transcript of this podcast and an accompanying video can be found at insomniacoach.com forward slash podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on to the Insomnia Coach podcast today. It's okay, no problem. So can can you start off by just telling us when your sleep problems first began? Um, it was the summer of 2017, and I suffered from health anxiety for a long time, but it was particularly significant then. Um, and from having been a person to have perfect sleep and could sleep anywhere at any time, I suddenly started waking up in the night with these health worries and then just got a massive fear that I couldn't go back to sleep. Mm. And it sort of escalated from that summer. Yeah. So was, was your main difficulty just falling asleep at the start of the night or was it more to do with you just find yourself waking during the night and then just finding it really hard to fall back to sleep or maybe both? It was a little bit of both, but more when I woke up in the night. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes though, I couldn't go off to sleep initially. And then even waking in the night, I still couldn't go back to sleep. But mostly it was waking in the night and then not being able to go back at all. Mm. And do you, th- do you think that you had difficulty falling back to sleep or just falling asleep at the start of the night because you were worried like about the health, about health issues? Or was it specifically you were worried about sleep or maybe it started off as one and progressed into the other? It started off as one. It started off with waking because I was worried about certain things but then it got to the point where that was sort of like at the back of my mind more and the fact that I couldn't sleep was the big fear Mm. I'd wake up and I think oh my god I can't go back to sleep I've got a function tomorrow I've got to go to work what am I going to do and then I just couldn't go back to sleep yeah so so how how long was this going on for before you I for people that don't know that you you enrolled in my online coaching course, um, how long were you experiencing these issues with sleep before you before you found out about cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia techniques? It was about a year. I mm. I had poor sleep, you know, and it got to the point where um, it was affecting my life so badly. I just knew I had to do something. Mm-hmm. So I googled and tried to get some research on techniques to help me but I just need I felt I needed more than that and and where I live there's not a lot of, of support for anything psychologically you know mm. as a problem so um I, I just had to find some help yeah. so that's what I did so 
before you found me, before you found out about CBTI, what, were there any kind of, what kind of things did you tried to get to help improve your sleep? Because I find that people with insomnia, they're kind of experts when it comes to all this, this long list of tools and techniques that they, that they've mm. tried or they've heard about. Um, do, what kind of things did you try and did you find any of them helpful before you found CBTI? Um, well, I did have to resort to some sleeping medication because mm-hmm. I, I just thought, what, what can I do? I've got, I was worried because I was not sleeping hardly anything and I thought I need to get some sleep somehow. So I did try like herbal remedies first. Um, and then I, I actually went to see a doctor and he prescribed me something which is a bit stronger and I was sort of like using those, but I was also trying to use some um, techniques like relaxation, music, anything really, talking to people, going on the internet, looking at forums of other people if they had any ideas. But you, I just felt I needed to speak to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and have more, more contact with them so I could have some techniques given to me. I, mm-hmm. fe- I felt I needed some, something more personalized. Mm. Right. Yeah. So had you, had you ever come across sleep hygiene when you were looking into um, solutions for insomnia? Yes. I, I Googled everything because I'm a big yeah. Google person and, you know, just having like a, trying a, a bedtime routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does help to get you to go off to sleep. But then my biggest problem then was when, when I woke in the night, not knowing mm. what to do then, because you're already in bed. You've done all that preparation for sleep. Yeah, absolutely. So it's waking up. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a bit of a loaded question there because pretty much everyone with insomnia has tried and heard of sleep hygiene, right? Because it's kind of the first thing that you hear about when, as soon as you mm. Google how to improve your sleep yeah. or, or talk to people that aren't really familiar with insomnia, they'll always mention sleep hygiene. But it's really interesting because you kind of mentioned that sleep schedule, which is probably really the only quite helpful part of sleep hygiene for people with insomnia. Um, but I think it was really interesting. What you just said was it's fine to prepare and help set the stage for falling asleep, but how is sleep mm. hygiene going to help you when you wake during the night? You know, because there's really, I know, you can't get really ready no guidance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cause sleep hygiene really is kind of this, um, preparation process you know just helping make sure the environment is kind of helpful for sleep. right yeah it doesn't really do anything yeah. when the struggle is kind of more internal no it doesn't so okay so let's let's fast forward now so you enrolled in you you found me if you heard about cbti um had you found out about cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia techniques before you found me or was it you found my website and that was what prompted you to discover CBTI? Um, I was aware of cognitive behavioral therapy for health anxiety previously. Mm -hmm. So I knew that those techniques can help you rethink and, you know, your way of thoughts. And I hadn't really heard of it for just insomnia, but I came across your website mm-hmm. and and I thought I'm going to try this mm-hmm. okay so you decided to try it you enrolled in the course um so you start to pick up you first of all you start just by learning more about sleep in general just because a lot of people with insomnia they have these kind of beliefs about sleep that either aren't very accurate 
um, or they're just not very helpful. You know, like this idea that we need to get a certain amount of sleep, like eight mm. hours is the classic, you know, and then we move on to the more behavioral side of things um, with the CBTI techniques, such as, you know, creating that sleep window to help build sleep drive, to help mm. you kind of overpower that arousal, that anxiety that interrupts sleep and getting out mm. of bed when you can't sleep, you know, all these things that you're now familiar with. So as you were going through the course, what would you say like the key things were that you learned that you really found helpful? Well, initially, um, I started off your course with the sort of like the, the trial free trial mm -hmm. and your advice with the emails were enough for me to think, Oh gosh, you know, I was looking forward to them because I was thinking every day you sent me some, tip and I and when I got to the end of it I thought I need to do more with this mm -hmm. so when I actually started the course it was as a huge big support for me were your feedback with emails and like it was so personalized and so long and it was almost like you were talking to me and all of the techniques you were given I knew that if I tried them I could I could speak to you about it you know not speak but type to you about it mm -hmm. and um so I, I just, I had faith that all the things that you were telling me to do were working and they gradually started working. And the more they, they, they continued to work, the more um, confidence I had that it was going to be, it was going to be successful. Mm -hmm. But um, it was quite hard. It was quite hard to do. Yeah. But I just, I just try, I, I'm the sort of person that just needs the step-by-step -step approach. And, and mm -hmm. that's, that's what your course did for me. Definitely. Yeah. Well, that's good. You know, I think it's really important to emphasize that the, the techniques themselves, they're, they're quite straightforward. They're quite simple, you know, when you read about them on paper, but they can be really hard to implement. You know, they, mm. can, be, they can take a lot of effort and a lot of commitment and consistency, um, especially because it can take a little while for you to see results. So, mm. for example, if, if suddenly you're told to, instead of spending eight or nine hours in bed in the hope of getting more sleep and you're, it's suggested to you to maybe spend closer to five and a half, six hours in bed. That can be a mm. hard initial mental obstacle to get over. And the idea of getting out of bed when you're in bed, tossing and turning, trying to sleep, that, that is a concept. How is getting out of bed going to help me get more sleep? These are really hard concepts. Yeah. Over, right? But do you, know, do you know when you suggested the sleep window, and mine was five and a half hours, um, I actually looked forward to not being in bed that long because mm -hmm. I used to get so stressed being in bed thinking I can't sleep. I just thought the, the hardest part was for me to stay awake until 12 mm -hmm. midnight. And then, um, you know, I was still waking in that five and a half hours and going down for half hour, coming back. And then knowing that I was to get up at 5.30, but I just did it. Even when mm -hmm. I went on holiday, I did it. I just thought, I'm going to do this because then I'll get more tired. And then eventually in a couple of days, I'll sleep for that five and a half hours. Right. Yeah. So I just continued with it. Mm -hmm. that's that's really good i like the way you just said you know i just did it because uh i think it's it can be the bat i think the battle with the the internal debate that can go on is a real big mm. barrier to sleep you know those mental gymnastics should i go to bed now should i get out of bed should i be going to bed now should i stay in bed mm. should i do this should i do that but if you just tell yourself i'm just gonna do it you know it's almost like engaging mm. 
pretending you're a robot, engaging that robot mind. I'm just going to do it. And it just eliminates yeah. all of that mental effort where should I do this? Should I do that? Oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll have a day off today. You just do it. Mm. I think yeah, I did it. Yeah. Because I, I had an eight-week block off from school from mm -hmm. a teacher, and I knew that that was my time to do it. Mm -hmm. And I had time to implement it all without having to work as well. Mm -hmm. But you have to do it regardless because even, even you know, there's periods of time now that um, – you know, everybody gets problems with sleep and stresses in work can make it more so. And I still have to go to work now, but I still do those strategies. So it's possible mm. to do. You don't have to have a holiday to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I normally actually suggest to people to try not to make any changes to their lives whilst they're implementing the techniques, just because if nothing else, when we go to work each day, it kind of forces us to have that daytime routine. So and it avoids mm. it avoids that temptation of staying in bed for a little bit longer, uh, yeah. maybe maybe taking those daytime naps or trying to conserve energy. And if also, if nothing else, work is kind of a distraction. The more you're working yeah. or doing something else, the less time is available for you to kind of dwell on sleep and maybe even just catastrophize about sleep. Yeah, I definitely think you have to have your mind taken off with, if you've got a job or children, you know, you've just got to get on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you're not working at the time or if you've taken a day off or whatever, it's just so important to do something else, you know, just to be active. Mm. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to be out there like running a half marathon or anything like that, but just mm. having, having something to fill your days with, just to occupy your mind. So not only are you less likely to be dwelling on sleep, that you're just recognizing that you can have some good moments during the day, even after a bad night of sleep. If you do yeah, something that you really enjoy, like pursue a hobby during the day, if you can do that and just engage your mind and enjoy yourself, it can just help, help you recognize that although a bad night of sleep is hard, it's, not, it's something mm. that we don't want to go through, it is possible to actually have a, a good day, if not a good day, maybe just a few okay moments during the day after a really mm. bad night. And just changing that mindset can be really helpful at reducing the pressure you put on yourself to sleep and just reducing that worry that you mm. feel about what, your next, what the next day is going to be like after a hard night. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Because that, that is the big fear when you wake up is that, are you going to be able to function the next day? But you can, you, you can do it because I do it. I, you know, I, I do it. If I have a bad night's sleep, I can still do that. Yeah, I think people with insomnia are experts at getting through the day after a bad mm. night of sleep or no sleep. Uh, they just mm. seem to have this almost this extra human ability to get through the day and it's quite ironic that this is one of the main fears of people with insomnia is how to get through the day the next day but if mm. you just take that step back and just think of all the times you have got through the day it's pretty much every single time sure the mm. day might be more difficult but you do get through that day and it's just mm. kind of amazing uh, i've heard stories of people that had these really important job interviews you know, the next day they've been living mm. with Omnia for years. And of course, the once you top that off with the worry about the job interview, it led this person to no sleep whatsoever. And this was a mm. really high pressure job interview. They got through it. They got offered the job. And that was after no sleep and years of insomnia. Mm. And it was, 
just it's just amazing how people with insomnia do have this incredible ability to get through the day but yet that's one of our biggest fears when we have insomnia mm, it definitely is you also mentioned that what I, what I thought was interesting was when you were observing this, this shorter sleep window, so you were allotting less time for sleep just to help consolidate your sleep more, that you actually ended up looking forward to not being in bed. Now, I, I did. I thought yeah. this was interesting because a lot of people, they feel a little bit worried or maybe it triggers a little bit of anxiety when you suggest to them to spend less time in bed or mm. to get out of bed when they're struggling. So can you tell us a little bit more about this? Like what was it about spending less, allotting less time for sleep that you, that you liked? Like just explain a little bit more about this whole feeling of looking forward to not being in bed. Well, for me, I was so anxious trying to go back to sleep and be, and I sometimes I'd go to bed earlier mm. to think, you know, oh, I'll have longer now in bed to have more opportunities to sleep, but it made the anxiety worse. So for me to just know that I had five and a half hours to deal with, it just, it just made me, it made me have like a schedule for my night and that that was the only amount of time I had to sort of think I'd be worrying. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that half hour, half hour throughout that night, I'd have some sleep within that five and a half hours, but I knew that I could then just get, get out of bed and not worry anymore. <laughs> Sounds yeah. really silly. <laughs> but it, it seemed a lot better for me to have that than be in bed for 10 hours with even more stress because most of that time I'd be awake. Right. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really important insight. And the reason that I wanted to just explore that a little bit more was because it is a common concern um, among people when they're, first implementing these CBTI techniques, you know, spending less time in bed, getting out of bed when you can't sleep. Um, because the concern is, well, that's going to just make me more awake. Uh, did did you mm. find that the process of getting out of bed during the night when you couldn't sleep, w- did you feel that that led to less sleep or made you feel more awake? Um, no, it didn't. It didn't make me feel more awake because I was already quite awake. Mm. The, the only thing I found with the knowing it had to be about half an hour was that I knew I wasn't supposed to look at the clock, which I didn't. Um, but what helped me know that I was only in bed for half an hour when I was in bed was I used to put a, um, like a meditation CD on and just listen to that, which was exactly half an hour. Mm. So I knew that if it stopped... I'd been in bed for half an hour and I, I needed to get up again. But quite often then I'd be asleep halfway through that. So, mm. you know, I, I sort of used my time in with that. But um, no, it, it didn't make me feel more awake. Definitely mm. not. Yeah. And as, as I was going through that five and a half hours, I was getting sleepy. And you definitely sleep within that time anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was one night where it was like, half an hour throughout the five and a half hours and I didn't sleep at all yeah yeah Yeah, I managed to sleep yeah that's important I think too you kind of hit the nail on the head there where it's 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 not pleasant to be in bed when you can't sleep right it it just doesn't feel good you know that tossing and turning the frustration the worry that just the way your mind works so I, I find that it's often just more pleasant just to get out of bed 
when you when you're going through yeah. that struggle so rather than seeing it as this process that's just going to be torturous you know getting out of bed is just going to be torture for me well a lot of the time just staying in bed can feel just as bad if not worse so if you're in mm. that unpleasant place where you're just really battling sleep and you're in bed and you feel like you're fighting with it then usually it's more pleasant a more pleasant alternative is to just get mm. out of bed and just do anything else anything that you find relaxing mm. and enjoyable until you just feel a little bit more calm again and then returning to bed and just seeing what happens then it's almost like this mental reset switch you know just get out of bed take take a breather just distract yourself with something else and then and then go back to bed did you do you kind of find that familiar did you find that helpful that just getting out of bed yeah. reset things you know it was and I, I can recall mostly the first part of that course i was actually in a cottage with my parents and mm -hmm. um, so we went away for a week and so i was implementing all this then and i would i just go down and just be in the quiet lounge for a little while and then i think right okay that's about half an hour i sort of calm myself down and go back to bed put that cd on again and it was just a routine for me that helped me know that i was doing things that i should mm. be doing and rather than just lie there thinking am i going to go to sleep am i going i'm not going to go to sleep. i was actually telling myself i'm not going to go to sleep um so for me that that window that sleep window i needed it definitely mm. yeah that's that's great so okay so we talked about the, these, these two specific techniques that you were following, you know, the sleep window, sleep restrictions, just reducing the amount of time that you're allotting for sleep and getting out of bed when you're struggling. So you, it sounds like you found those helpful, but were they helpful like right from the start? Were there any particular techniques that you found really hard to implement or struggle with? Maybe they got easier over time or you just felt, no, this isn't for me. This is not going to work for me. Um, the sleep window was hard initially, but then you just get used to it. Upon reflection, when you think back of just kind of all the techniques that you learned, uh, over the eight weeks of the online course, what, what would you say were the, the kind of key things that you learned as you, as you went through the course that had the biggest effects on improving your sleep? Um, I think the restriction of the sleep and then eventually I knew that I could increase that and as I was getting better I could have a, a longer sleep window. Mm -hmm. um, your, your, all your advice and when I had little hiccups and I at one point I because I google quite a lot and try not to now but um, I was getting worried about the health effects that the sleep you know the, the insomnia could have on me and you know and you were great in getting back to me and just putting my mind at rest that it's not such a big problem and I, I I remember some things you typed to me just it doesn't matter if you don't go to sleep that was like a, a big help for me and that I tell myself that if I woke up oh sorry it doesn't matter if you don't go to sleep and then it's sort of just eases your mind it makes you think in a different way don't put such a large, huge um, thought about your sleep and then the sleep mm. gets better and you just just try and keep calm and, and, and just think rationally more, which I wasn't doing. Mm -hmm. 
but no, I, I just think you have to sometimes follow the tips you're given and, and just keep going with it because yeah. nothing comes easy. And I think some people want an instant cure and you haven't got an instant cure. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. You know, I, I think what, what you just explained is going to sound, I, I, a lot of people that are listening are going to really identify what you just said in terms of the Googling, the reading about the health effects of insomnia and that kind of feeding into mm. the worry. And then maybe then just trying to put that pressure on yourself to sleep, you know, to try and control mm. sleep. And sleep is one of these things that the more we try and control it, the more difficult it becomes. It's kind of this thing mm. that's the exact opposite to everything else we know. You know, so for example, mm. I like to say, if we decide we want to become doctors, you know, we go to school, we put in all that intense effort, we study, we, 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 we sacrifice things, we just make that our goal. And if we put in enough work, enough effort, then we reach our goal. You know, we get our degrees, we do our residencies, we become a doctor. But with sleep, if we want to improve our sleep, as soon as we try to sleep, as soon as we start mm. studying all about sleep and researching sleep and just spending all of our days reading about it and putting effort into sleep, it just does the exact opposite outcome. It makes sleep more difficult. Um, mm. so I think that's really important to just emphasize that. The thing with sleep is, it's really just because it's this internal biological process is something we just need to learn to leave alone and just kind of mm. have to trust in our body's own ability to sleep because just as our body will breathe by itself, we don't need to pay attention to our breathing. It will sleep if we just kind of take that step back and try to worry less about it and certainly try to control it less. Yeah, I think definitely that is the case with the control because I do like to be in control of everything. And I think that's when you feel like you're out of control. But I just, I tell myself that everybody's capable of sleep. Everybody can sleep and everybody goes through the sleep cycles and wakes throughout the night. Mm -hmm. It's just that some people aren't aware of it very much because they go straight back into another sleep cycle. And some people are much more aware of it. And the fear starts when you, 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 you know, you're out of that sleep cycle for a period of time mm -hmm. and worry about it. But um, I, I know that I can sleep. And I also know now, even if I do have bouts of difficulty sleeping, it won't be for long. Yeah. Because I just do the strategies again. Um, and, you know, I don't take sleeping tablets anymore. And I did used to have to take them. Mm-hmm. So they're not a, a long-term solution. And I know with my health worries that I didn't want to take them for a long-term anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's yeah. important. What you just said as well is just so important that it is normal to wake during the night. You know, wakefulness is part of sleep. So it's completely mm. normal to wake during the night. And like you, like you suggested, it's kind of more to do with just our reaction to those awakenings that determine... Yeah. It is, if definitely. they're going to be a problem or not. So if we worry about them, it's going to make it immediately harder to fall back to sleep. Um, mm. But people that just don't give sleep a second thought that have never experienced insomnia, they're still waking during the night for these short periods of time. But mm. They just don't pay any attention to these, these waking, these awakenings. So they're very sure and they probably don't even remember them even occurring. Yeah, I know exactly the same. That's how I used to be before, before I went on the course. And 
um, you know, most people uh, are, are not aware that they wake. It's the people who've got insomnia that are. Yeah, and that again, that's another really important thing that I like to try and emphasize is that when when you have insomnia, it's really tempting to talk about sleep with people that don't have insomnia, you know, just to compare your sleep with others. Mm. And so if you talk to someone that's never thought about sleep, oh, well, how much sleep did you get last night? Well, first of all, they'll probably give you a, this little blank stare because they don't know because they haven't really paid atten any attention to it. But then they kind of just think, well, okay, I, I got in bed at 11 o'clock. I got out of bed at seven, so eight hours. But mm. it's very unlikely that they actually spent that full amount of time asleep, you know, because it takes time for us to fall asleep as soon as we get into bed. Mm. It's very unusual to just your head hits the pillow and you're asleep. Mm. You've got all these awakenings during the night, even if it's just to go to the bathroom. Um, and then mm. a lot of us will gradually wake up a little bit before before we get out of bed. So once you add up all those little awakenings, time taken to fall asleep, time taken to kind of wake up and get out of bed, they're probably closer to, you know, six, maybe seven hours of sleep. Um, so that can just lead to more worry because you're thinking, well, this person's getting eight hours, this person's getting eight hours. But in fact, they're probably mm. getting much less than that. But it's no problem for these people because they're not thinking about sleep. They're not kind of monitoring their days for the effects of their sleep. And they just take this hands-off approach so they have no problem with sleep. Yeah, and it's, it's actually, I've had conversations when people have said to me, oh, but you've got to have a minimum of eight hours sleep. And I said, well, actually, you don't. Because mm -hmm. as long as you've got five and a half hours of core sleep, you're fine. You can function. And I don't care what they say to me. I just say, you don't need eight hours sleep every night. It's, it's such a big myth. And nobody really knows where that idea that we should be getting eight hours come from, comes from. You know, um, mm. everyone, there probably are some people out there that need eight hours of sleep, but they're going to really be in the minority. Uh, everyone has their own unique sleep requirement. So someone might only need five and a half or six hours every single night, feel great during the day. And that's fine. Uh, someone else might need seven. Someone else might need eight. You know, everyone is different. It's kind of like sh shoe sizes. Everyone has a different shoe size. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to say to someone, no, you've got to fit in a size eight shoe. Mm. Right? No, Every I, I think that. And, and it just leads to more worry because it's, and it can trigger insomnia too, because if you're someone mm. that, does perfectly fine on let's say six hours of sleep you feel great during the day you're healthy you, you you're not fatigued during the day you never really think about sleep as soon as then that you try to get more sleep it mm. can lead to even less sleep and then more worry and then it kind of triggers this whole cycle of worrying about sleep and less sleep and that leading to even more worry so this kind of myth that we all should be aiming for eight hours is something that we really need to get rid of and we really need to somehow stop people talking about because not only is it inaccurate but it can actually be a big driver of sleep related anxiety yeah, I definitely think too much emphasis on that makes it all worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. So, so when you, uh, you, you just kind of mentioned this, that you were taking sleeping pills at one point, but, but now mm. you're not. 
Um, I think actually when you very first enrolled, when you started working with me, you were actually also taking them, but then by the end you weren't. So can you just tell us about that process? Did you follow like a specific tapering off process? Did you kind of force yourself to stop or was it more of a case of you just started to notice improvements in your sleep and so you felt less reliant on them? Um, I didn't taper off as such in a, a methodical way. I sort of mentally just told myself that if I, you know, they were always there mm. um, and that maybe twice a week, if I absolutely had to, that I, they were there, but I, it was sort of more of a, just as a, something in, in the back of my mind that mm-hmm. I didn't throw them out, but I, I didn't, I didn't rely on them. Then when I was doing the course, as I was progressing through the course, I knew that I needed to do the strategies to change my way of thinking. That was, I knew that I had to change the way that I thought about it all to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, because the tablets I couldn't take for the rest of my life. So I, I didn't just like every other day, that sort of process coming off them and more or less just stopped them. And I just knew that, that I had them there mentally in my mind that I could fall back on if I ever had to mm-hmm. and it was like a just a last resort mm-hmm. yeah mm. did, did you find that you ever kind of had this really bad night for example and you felt that you just weren't going to sleep unless you took that sleeping pill and then so that so then you reached for that sleeping pill or were you did you find that you're actually quite disciplined about it and you were just de- determined and decided that yes they're available but no I'm not going to use them um occasionally if it was like maybe once or twice I I, I would take one mm-hmm. but then you can't implement all the strategies when you do that mm-hmm. yeah I and think- then the following day you're over you know you're sluggish so you, you can't you don't think properly then mm. Yeah, I think one of the issues that when I think a lot of people are going to identify with this idea of just having them available, you know, because that can just Mm. be quite reassuring. Um, But sometimes what the problem can be if you if you take a sleeping pill contingently. So let's say that tonight you've decided that I'm not going to take a sleeping pill no matter what you know, and then Mm. you get to like two or three in the morning and you're kind of really struggling and then you reach for that pill and then you get those few hours of sleep. The only potential issue there can be is that you can kind of learn to think that you only slept because you took that pill, you know, so you can kind of lose this, just lose a trust in your own ability to sleep. Because you don't associate then, the risk is you don't associate that sleep you got just with your own ability to sleep. You kind of attribute all that sleep to the sleeping pill. And just for the long term, sometimes that can be a problem because one of one of our aims in these with these CBTI techniques in terms of changing mm. the way you think about sleep is just to help you get that confidence back and for you to recognize that sleep is this core biological function that never goes away. You can always sleep. Um, and just having that trust in your own ability to sleep is just so important. And sometimes if you just take a sleeping pill, you know, here or there, if you attribute that sleep just from the pill, it can kind of erode that confidence um, and make it harder for you to get that confidence in your own ability to sleep back. No, I definitely think that. Um, 
it's it's usually um it was usually if i knew i had like the first day of work mm-hmm. you know the beginning of the week because you've had a weekend off mm-hmm. and then um you know then you think it's going to help you but most of the time i'm fine this is since i've done the course mm-hmm. most of the time i'm absolutely fine and i do just go back to sleep i wake for a um a little while sometimes and then I just think, don't worry about it. And as soon as I start telling myself not to worry about it, it doesn't matter if I don't go back to sleep. That's what I say. It doesn't matter if I don't go back to sleep. And, and then you do just go mm-hmm. back to sleep. Yeah, I, that, that's really important, I think, is just to try and remove some of that worry. Because let's say that you wake up and you think, oh, I'm not going to fall back to sleep. If, okay, that, that might be true. It might not be true. I'm sure there are times you've thought you're not going to fall back to sleep and you did mm. and vice versa. But let's say that you end up not falling back to sleep. Sleep drive is still going to be building, you know, so it's not mm. like all that sleep is gone and it's not all doom and gloom because sleep, if you're not sleeping, then sleep drive just keeps building. The sleep pressure just keeps building and building and building. And eventually you will sleep. I mean, it's completely impossible for you to stay awake indefinitely. And so as long as you kind of restrict that opportunity for sleep during the sleep window, when that sleep happens, it's going to be happening at a time when you want to be sleeping. And Mm. by making sure that you're only in your own bed when you sleep, it's going to be happening in your own bed. So sleep does improve. You know, it's just about taking that, that worry away from it and just really just learning to trust your own ability to sleep and that the body will give you the sleep that it needs when it needs it. Yeah, it does happen. Definitely. You just can't keep going, as you say, without any sleep at all. Mm-hmm. You just get so tired in the end that you do sleep. Yeah. So and then, and then you get confident with it. Yeah. And that's key, right? It's just that confidence. And I can just tell that just in talking to you, you know, where you're saying, I just don't worry about it. You know, mm-hmm. and that's just a, a key symptom of confidence, just not worrying about it. But also realizing, because, you know, throughout your life, you do go back to moments where you have trouble sleeping. You get, you know, there's a time within this year of completing the course where my dog was very, very sick. Mm-hmm. And it, it really affected my, um, my anxiety levels because we didn't think she was going to get better but she did, thank goodness. Um, and my sleep pattern changed then. And I just, I, I worried, I did worry initially. Oh my goodness, it's going to start all over again. But then I just quickly tried to put those strategies back in and try to take my mind off my dog and, you know, just telling myself, yeah, you can sleep and tomorrow you'll be fine. And I didn't have any time off work. Mm-hmm. So I just carried on through it and, and got up when I needed to get up, went back to sleep, got up, you know, just ca- carried on with the with the routine, and then I I overcame that sort of period where I did slip back a bit mm-hmm. with my with my sleep, and I just thought, no, I'm not going to go back to that. I know I can sleep. I've done it before, and I'll do it again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's so important too. Is just to recognise that there are always going to be bad nights of sleep every now and then. You know, when, whenever we go through a stressful period, like you just explained, it would be unusual for you to sleep really well if you're worried about your pet's health, for example. You know, that, that would be really unusual for you to still just sleep completely undisturbed. Um, and what can happen is when we've experienced insomnia in the past, we can worry, you know, when that 
completely expected night of bad sleep occurs, we can worry that the insomnia is mm -hmm. coming back. You know, I'm back to square Amen. one. It's all happening again. But then what can happen is you're just the very process of worrying about that entirely expected bad night heightens your anxiety and then leads to a second night of poor sleep you know and so you kind yeah. of exacerbate the problem by being concerned about it so i think it's also really helpful not only to expect bad nights every now and then because they're completely normal but just when you do have a bad night just spend like a few seconds just thinking all right was there an external cause for that bad night you know so mm. just just like you experience oh my my dog has this health issue this so Therefore, it's completely normal. I would have a bad night. And just recognizing that mm. can just be really helpful in terms of keeping your sleep on track for the long term. No, I do think, you, you know, you just have to um, accept that you are going to have these ups and downs in life. And when you get them, that you, you may have sleep problems, um, but that it'll, it'll improve because those problems in your life improve generally. Mm -hmm. um and it's, it's like you said earlier it's how you react to things mm -hmm. people who are positive and react in that positive way to any example of stress um have an easier time dealing with it mm -hmm. you know any anything it's, it's how you react to it mm -hmm. and trying to react more positively than negatively is the answer yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, one of the models that we have for how insomnia develops is it kind of starts off just with some people are just more predisposed to sleep disruption, you know, so they're already mm. a little bit higher up on that starting scale of mm. sleep disruption risk. Uh, so it, we might just be more reactive to stress or anxiety, or we might have stressful jobs or anything like that, you know, so we're more susceptible to that one or two nights of sleep disruption but it's always always our response that determines if it's just this one-off event or if it's going to be a longer-term mm. problem whether that's just a, th a thought process response or a behavioral response such as spending more time in bed and trying to rest or conserve energy or maybe a combination of the two that's what kind of moves it just from these one or two occasional blips to a longer-term problem yeah, it is. It's, it's how you react and how you think about it. Mm -hmm. It's so, all about how you think about it. Yeah, I com I completely agree. So when when you were going through the through the course, you you did make some re really really good progress. I just want to just briefly, when you first enrolled, like for example, I think it took you. It was taking you like almost two hours to fall asleep at the start of the night. Mm. Um, and then by the time you ended, that kind of dropped to around fifteen minutes. And mm. I think your average nightly sleep duration when you first enrolled, like the first week, it was about four and a half hours. And then by the end, it was six hours. But I think what's really, really encouraging for a lot of people listening to this was just the long term improvement. So you stopped working mm. with me after eight weeks. Um, but And then I just do these follow ups, you know, after one mm. month three months, six months, and a year, because you finished over a year ago now. Um, and still, I think it was, it still takes you very, you falling asleep pretty quickly, you know, like 10, 15 minutes, mm. averaging like mm. seven, seven hours of sleep. Um, mm. does, does that sound right? Like, am I kind of reflecting on your results and your progress accurately here? Yeah, definitely. Because I hardly take any time to go to sleep now. Um, 
and my job still quite stressful um but i go i enjoy i really look forward to going to bed i've uh, got a new bed <laughs> um it's really comfortable and i just think oh this is this is nice um and i do have about seven hours about seven hours on average mm -hmm. in that's, the night yeah that's 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 amazing and i think just that key, you know, the, the fact that you now look forward to going to bed, you look forward to sleep. It's just such mm. a change in mindset because I'm sure mm. that if when we first started working together, um, I'd have said to you, oh, well, bed, it's bedtime in an hour or two. How are you feeling about that? Probably would have been I a little to, bit different. Yeah, I used to get so stressed about the time it was leading up to going to bed. I used to actually get anxious about it mm -hmm. in the evening. I wouldn't be enjoying my evening. Um, because I'd, I'd be thinking, oh my gosh, it's getting close to the time. I've got to go and try and go to sleep. And I, it was such a fear. I had, it had built up a massive fear about the whole thing. Um, and if I could have got away with not sleeping at all, I think I would have because mm -hmm. I was so worried about going to bed to try. I'll still, I've got some things I do. I put lavender lotion on, you know, I, it was all little like things that mentally just helped me to prepare to go to bed. And I'll got, um, just lavender little lavender spray and little things like that that i still use because it helped me it helps to just unwind and have a shower have all mm -hmm. these nice smells and just prepares you to go to bed anyway i don't think that hurts to carry on with yeah absolutely i think those processes are all fine as long as you just recognize that they're just things that you find enjoyable and relaxing mm. you know yeah. um the, yeah. the the only potential risk the only time that they can be unconstructive is if you think that somehow they're generating sleep or that you know if you miss that one night of putting lavender on your pillow then you're not going to sleep you know if, yeah. you, if you see them as a way of generating sleep then that can be a problem but if you see it as just something that you enjoy that helps yeah, you relax like, it does that's what i do yeah. it's like a relaxation thing and you know, listening to um, nice calming things before you go to bed is, mm -hmm. is nice to do rather than, you know, being on a lot of people on their phones all the time and their, their brain is wired before they go to bed. Mm -hmm. So just try and relax in some way before you go to bed is helpful. Yeah. And, and everyone is different, you know, so whereas one person might enjoy the smell of lavender and, or listening to calming, mm. relaxing music, someone else might, I don't know, like to do crosswords or watch a movie, you know, yeah. every, everyone is different. Yeah. And as long as you just do anything that you just find relaxing, that you personally just find helps you unwind and just distracts mm. you maybe from thinking about sleep as well. Um, yeah is fine you know there's really no hard and fast rules for what you should be doing shortly before bed other than mm. something you find relaxing and enjoyable um, and something mm. that you don't come to believe is creating sleep for you yeah you know, definitely um, you can just end up going down the rabbit hole you know I've had I've had clients that believed that this certain brand of tea that they drank at night if they didn't drink it then they wouldn't sleep mm. Um, mm. so, so then the problem is then you're looking for this new type of tea or this new supplement or this new sleep crutch, you know, to create that sleep mm. for you because you don't recognize that it's just your own body that's generating that sleep. You know, the, yeah, the, the, the tea is nice if you enjoy drinking it and if you find it relaxing, that's fine, but it's never creating sleep. So as long as you recognize that, yeah. um, anything you do at night is fine. But uh, yeah, I think the relaxing part is important if you're 
sort of an anxious person mm-hmm. because that relaxing um relaxing of your mind before helps you to mentally think in the pos- positive correct way mm-hmm. rather than going to bed anxious so mm-hmm. were you someone yeah. that had always tried these relaxation techniques or things like that um or was this something that you learned or practiced only after you started developing insomnia no i've had um i've I've had relaxation like guided therapy things for for Mm -hmm. health anxiety so i've always believed that um it's nice to calm your mind it Mm -hmm. it can distract your mind away from things and um put your mind in a better place to take on board all the the techniques Mm -hmm. you need to do as well Mm-hmm. Yeah, the reason I asked you was just because a lot of people don't recognize or don't realize that relaxation is actually a skill. You know, it's not something, mm. oh, I'm going to try meditation tonight, for example. Yeah. And then you try, you, you try meditating and your mind's going a mile a minute and you just think, oh, this isn't working. This is not for me. And then you just stop. Yeah, right. no. um, it's really important that it is a skill and it takes a lot of practice um, in order to get good at, at relaxation. And it's also just important to make the goal of relaxation, relaxation and not sleep. Yeah. As soon as yeah. we kind of make sleep the goal, we kind of undo any of the potential benefits of that relaxation process. Yeah, definitely. Relaxation is just nice at any time. Mm. Just um, mindfulness as well. I'm, I think that's important to just, just be aware of what's going on at that moment, not anything else. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And that, that's really interesting because don't you find that when you had insomnia, a lot of your worries were about the future? You know, for example, mm. how am I going to get through the next day? Am I going to sleep tonight? And so yeah. mindfulness is really helpful, I think, because it just brings you back to the present. Well, why am I worrying about that now? Because that stuff is in the future. That doesn't matter now. So I'm just ruining mm. my entire day. And my entire night thinking about what ifs, whereas all I, I should really be focused on is just the now. Yeah, definitely. My husband had a good strategy um, with when you just wake, just just be aware of your heads on the pillow, enjoy the pillow, just relax into it, relax all your body, think, feel the bed sheets on your body, and just think about those things and just calm your mind mm. because your mind just escalates otherwise onto what if what if what if and just think about what you're actually doing and just try and calm your heartbeat down and I do think that it's important to try and relax your mind Mm -hmm. and relaxing your body helps to do that yeah and a a lot of people as well with these with the stimulus control techniques you know that the cbti technique that suggests that you should be getting out of bed if you're struggling to fall asleep is i I like to say you know if you're awake for like roughly half an hour and you're really Mm. struggling and you're battling then get out of bed but if you're in bed and you're still feeling calm and relaxed you know, maybe just what you were describing, you're just mm. enjoying just that feeling of lying on your pillow, being in bed, it feels cozy, you're calm and relaxed. Mm. Really, there's no need to get out of bed because you're calm and relaxed. And so the conditions are right for sleep. It's mm. only really a concern. We want to kind of be getting you out of that environment when it becomes unpleasant to be in bed. Yeah. And if you, as I was, if you're at that stage where 
you aren't relaxed and not able to do that, then it's pointless being there in bed because you're just fretful and and getting up and just having that little time where you think, right, let's try again and just go back and 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 see see what happens. It's just see what happens, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think a really big thing for me was just keep telling myself it doesn't matter if you don't sleep mm-hmm. because it's such a pressure to make yourself to sleep. Um, and as soon as you tell yourself it doesn't matter if you don't, it really works. You just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's just, just trying not to pressure yourself thinking, I have to go to sleep. I have to go to sleep. Because you don't have to. It doesn't matter if you if you don't sleep at that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what I tell myself all the time now. If I wake, it, do, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then before I know it, I've gone back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I don't even know if I've gone back to sleep or not. Um, and then I think, oh, yes, I can remember that dream now. Mm-hmm. I did go back to sleep, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I think that's great. Just, it, just, that just cha- it's, so much of it is just changing your mindset, don't you, don't you feel? Mm. Like just learning not to worry about sleep. And as soon as you kind of remove that worry or that temptation to try and control sleep or force sleep, mm. sleep just becomes so much easier. Yeah, it does. And then, you know, I just feel much more normal now because I didn't feel normal before Mm. because you just almost feel as if you're on your own even though you know there's lots of other people who have insomnia you just well I did anyway I just felt oh I'm the only person with this nobody else can be as bad as me look at me I mean at one point I was sometimes I'd have an hour and a half sleep and I was thinking oh my goodness everyone else is having a normal life and I'm not Mm. and it, it got to the point where I was thinking you know um I can't, I can't do nice things because I'm too tired to do them. And and as soon as you, you change that way of thinking you have to sleep, you start to sleep again and also realizing that you aren't on your own. And there are lots of people who have similar struggles and people like you who can help. You can, Mm -hmm. you can talk to people um, who've got the knowledge to know what to do to improve it. Mm -hmm. Because going on the internet, looking at Google, it gives you so much other things that make you worried. Yeah. You know, I, tr- I try really hard not to do that anymore because um, you type in insomnia and it comes up all these other crazy things that you don't know about. And I'm not knowledgeable enough to know what's right from wrong with regard to things like worrying about not getting enough sleep mm-hmm. you know, and the impact on your body. And, and there's all sorts on there that, are not actually true yeah. that could scare people and then make their insomnia worse. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, so much of so much of the sleep related worry and fear is, I think, generated by all these articles that are online and even just in newspapers and magazines that, mm. that look at these studies. But one thing that's really important to bear in mind is that very few of these studies actually look at people with insomnia. They tend to look at sleep deprivation, which is different. You know, sleep deprivation is more about burning the candles on both ends. You know, you're not giving yourself enough opportunity to sleep. And so therefore, you're not getting enough mm. sleep. So yeah. a lot of these studies, they will get people that have no issue with sleep, put them in like a lab or, or tell them that they're not allowed to sleep for more than two or three hours, you know, and kind of mm. extrapolate results from there. Um, mm. And even ones that do use insomnia, 
the common trait is none of these studies are finding causation. You know, some of them are finding associations, but it's just in the same way that if you look at houses that have ashtrays, perhaps there might be a higher incidence of cancer in those households. That doesn't mean that the mm. ashtrays are causing cancer. You know, there's something mm. else causing the cancer. Um, and that's so important to bear in mind is that all these articles, when you actually dig into them and you look behind the headlines, you'll see words like may or could or associated mm. with. You know, there's never anything that says short sleep or insomnia causes any health problem whatsoever. There's there's not one mm. single study that's found that. Um, mm. So that's something that's really important to just emphasize because that is generally what you'll find anytime that you Google insomnia or sleep deprivation or insufficiency. Mm. No, definitely. Because you, 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 most people are using the internet to try and find um, a solution. Mm -hmm. And along the way, they get worried more yeah, because absolutely. Of, uh, advice. Yeah, I would just encourage anyone that's struggling with insomnia, if you are going to look online and, and use Google, is to just Google cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Yeah. Um, because it's just this great collection of techniques. And uh, you, you kind of touched on this. One of the reasons why I'm such a big fan is because it's, in a way, it's just this skill set, right? And it stays with you for life. So anytime mm. you feel that you're struggling again in the future, you just put the techniques back into place and it helps get your sleep back on track because it's mm. just a collection of skills that never go away. They're always with you. Mm, they are. And you do need to use them occasionally and they're embedded because you've done, you've done it for, you know, for a long while. So, you know, you know what to do. Yeah. Um, you just need to just implement them when necessary. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right. Well, Sarah, I've taken a lot of your time and I really appreciate it. I did just want to ask you one more question that I always ask people right at the end. Um, so here's the question. If someone with chronic insomnia is listening and feels as though they've tried everything, that they're beyond help, they can't do anything to improve their sleep, what would you tell them? I would honestly say, and this is really from my heart, I would definitely say to do your course because, you know, because um, you were so personal with your help for me. And I'm sure you are with other people just as personal and helpful. And I, I actually felt through all the um, strategies and emails and all the videos and everything that I did along the way was catered just for me. I don't know how you made me feel like that, but. I felt as if you were like, like my personal therapist <laughs> of sleep, sleep coaching. Mm -hmm. And I, I could just feel that I could rely on you and that you, you didn't mind me emailing you and you always responded, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I felt that I wasn't alone anymore and that you were definitely going to sort me out. And I just had faith in you. Um, and I don't know how other courses would be, but I would 100% guarantee success because as long as you do all the things that you advise, then it works. Mm -hmm. um, and so my advice to anybody, and I, and I think I'm the worst that's ever had insomnia, is to do your course because you get better. Oh, 
Well, I, I really appreciate that. Um, it's very humbling to to hit to hear you um, say that. Um, I really really appreciate it. Um, I just want to say, just in response, that I just want you to also recognize that all of the success that you've enjoyed is down to your effort. You know, I kind of see myself as the guide. I can kind of it's I can kind of explain to you techniques that are helpful and help help you change your way of thinking about sleep but it's really up to you or up, up to anyone that i work with to take that information and to use it and to be really committed to the techniques and to implement them because like you explained earlier some of them are hard um, so i really want you to to just you to recognize that you are that you were the driver of your success you know i was there next to you to guide you along but really all the success you've enjoyed is just down to your own efforts and your own commitment to the techniques oh, thank you as well <laughs> no i um i think it's a two-way process yeah yeah i would agree yeah i would agree with that it is important to have a good relationship with whoever you're working with um takes back and forth you need to have someone that you believe in and that you feel comfortable communicating with um and then at the same time you need to be accountable you know and just implement the techniques and i completely agree with you too that you will be successful if you just are consistent and you are committed and make your focus just implementing the techniques you know this is what i have mm. to do this is what i'm going to do and just removing all that mental gymnastics and all that self-doubt and all the question marks and just going all in you know going all in just say i'm just going to go all in for a few weeks and just see what happens and far more likely than not you're going to get results and i think that's really important yeah definitely you, you get results yeah all right well sarah thank you so much for giving giving up so much of your time i think that what we've discussed a lot of people are gonna recognize their their own insomnia experience in what you've shared and hopefully it will just motivate people to look more into cbti and just give them the belief that they can get through their insomnia just like you did so thank you it's okay good luck to everybody <laughs>
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Coach podcast. I'm Martin Reed, and as always, I'd like to leave you with this important reminder. You can sleep. <laughs>